Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. It is the first show of the new year, and it happens to be the Power Hour. We're going to hear from the team from Pittsburgh Power, then we will take your calls and questions. So line them up. It is a maintenance free-for-all. If you have a question about anything related to maintenance, we'll talk about it today. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, troubleshooting, emissions, electronics, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join us. The team from Pittsburgh Powers here. We'll find out what's on their mind, and then we'll get to your calls and questions. So line them up, 855 950 3835. Let's get started with Bruce this morning. Bruce, good morning. Happy New Year. Well, same to you, Kevin. Let's hope we can make this a better year than last year. Yeah, you know what? Three star. Now, I was, when you said that, I was just thinking that at the kind of open this morning, I was thinking about it that it, somehow it feels like 2023 is going to change something. You know, ever since 2020, it's been kind of weird. It was a weird couple of years, but it feels like things are going to change now. I'm not sure what that means, though. Hmm. Well, I said to a three-star general that's in the Army, and I didn't realize that he was a liberal. I said, yeah, it's going to be hard when we still have Biden as president. (laughs) He looked at me. And uh, then I realized, uh-oh. Yep, yep. <laughs> and oh, he's, re- he's, re- he's retired, but still working for the government. And I wanted to say, you know, you're part of the 53% that the 47% of us work to pay our taxes so the 53% can get their check from the government. But I didn't say that because yeah, I was yeah. having New Year's dinner with him. He's a good friend of my sister's. But anyway, he's no Biden's been good to the armed services. He just gave us eight hundred and fifty-eight billion dollars to run the or to run the armed services for this next year. That's a lot of tax dollars. That is a lot of tax dollars. Yeah, and I'm all for having a strong military, but it's we've spent sure. a lot of money not to make the military stronger. They're now woke, and uh, it, it's really shocking how fast yeah. that happened. You know, I, you probably assumed the same thing a lot of people would. A three-star general, he must be somewhat conservative. I mean, that's just the way we always thought about the military, yeah. and that's not yeah. the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he said, you know, we do have to take care of Ukraine. I said, you know, if Trump was president, that war wouldn't have never happened. What, what do you mean we I have to take care of Ukraine? Lincoln. Why? When did we become yeah. the caretakers yeah, and the police of the world? That it, You know, and when they say we need to protect <laughs> democracy, I, I'm all for protecting democracy, but Ukraine's not a democracy, never has been. And it's certainly not now. So I said, you know, Trump 
thought like Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said, do I not destroy my enemies by making them my friends? And I said, yeah, he was making Putin a friend and he was making Kim Jong-un a friend. And I said, wouldn't it have been great if he had had them both down at Miralago for about a month and playing <laughs> golf and dining and making them friends because friends don't fight friends. Yeah. Yeah, all the money we've yeah, spent over there is just insane. <laughs> It's crazy. Okay, I also want to say uh, a guy called me from a diesel shop in your state, either in your state or Washington, and EPA has paid him a visit because of some deletes. Oh, boy. And so they're on the West Coast. So people are still doing it, and they're making huge mistake. I can tell you, of our 200 phone calls we get a day, we very, very seldom get anybody calling and saying they're having emission problems because we just don't have them when you're running the Max Miley's Catalyst. And it's better to run the Catalyst and be legal instead of uh, uh, facing what could happen and what's going to happen to these shops that are still doing it. And yeah. And that's all I want to say about that. I just had a phone call from a guy that bought a dresser dozer, bulldozer. I didn't know dresser made bulldozers, but it's got a late 80s L10 Cummins in it. And it's got some fuel in the oil, so we were talking about where it can come from. And it's going to be either the pumper and the injectors, and he's going to send them in to us. But it's uh, you never know. What you're going to learn each day when you get these phone calls, a dresser bulldozer with an L10 Cummins. I forgot about the L10. I had a a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. They're mechanical, and we can take the horsepower up considerably on those, and we've never had one fail. We had people on Eastern PA that hauled those little sheds built by the Amish, and we gave them a lot of horsepower. Probably gave them an extra 100, 115. Never had a failure. Yeah, I don't remember much about mine. Maybe that's because nothing ever really went wrong with them. I didn't have them that long. I had a couple mm-hmm. of them. Um, one in a yeah. day cab. I, it, I just don't remember much about the engines. I just I don't remember working on them. I don't remember having any problems with them. Um, hmm, interesting. The next thing, Greg Lemunian from Northwest Ohio called me, 64 years old, and he's been in trucking, but he's been in a lot of management prior to becoming an owner-operator. And he and his son each have a 2019 389 feet with the X-15, and we program them. They absolutely love how they run. But the one his son drives, there's... 390,000 mile on it, the clutch wants to slip in high gear. We didn't give it that kind of power. I mean, we'd make them run nice. So they took it to the Kenworth dealer or one of the dealers and had a um, new 2250 Eaton clutch put in. The plywood resurfaced and it's still slipping. So the truck's at our shop now. We're going to see what we can find on that. And if anybody has any suggestions. I mean, this is a, a new truck. 
So it wouldn't be wore out linkage or anything like that. We're going to check for engine mounts, possibly a broken engine mount and letting the engine torque up. Uh, Patrick Anderson, our dealer in Cheyenne, said that he had a clutch put in. They didn't put new fly uh, bell housing bolts in. And I don't think we ever did, but he said his backed out and the transmission moved back a half inch, and that caused his to, to slip. Ooh. Yeah. Here was something else. In 1975, I'd fallen asleep on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, had a bad accident. My 69 Corvette hit a big rock and knocked the right front of the Corvette apart. And I put a new frame under this car. And while I was stripping the body, the top right spoiler on the rear had what looked like when it was being backed off the truck delivering it to the Chevy dealer. It looks like they backed into one of the uprights because there was this gouge and was in about three inches. So I just re repaired that again and uh, did a perfect job on putting this car back together, a new frame, because uh, a week after I finished it, I got married and took it to uh, Cape Cod on my honeymoon and had zero problems with it. But uh, talking to Greg, he said, I just finished a body off the frame restoration on a red 69 Corvette. I said, was it Monza red? He said, yes. I said, a black interior? He said, yes. I said, did you strip the body and did you notice a repair up on the right rear spoiler? He said, yes. I said, does it have the chrome inserts on the front fenders? He said, yes. I said, did it have a spread bore holly on it? He said, yes. I said, I think you have my old Corvette. Wow. So any, anyways, Northwest Ohio this summer, I'm going to take a ride out and see it. He did a beautiful job on it, restoring the car, and it's still pretty low mileage. There you go. And like I said, you know, when this phone rings, you never know what you're going to hear or who you're going to meet. And then at a marina, I met a dock master, 66 years old. I said, why are you still working? He said, I flunked retirement twice. <laughs> he was not in trucking. He wasn't in trucking. He said, you know, I've been married to the same woman my entire life, and we get along really good until I retire. And he says, she says, honey, you better get another job. <laughs> and he said, so this, being a dock master is really easy. So I, we, we talked for about 45 minutes about the trucking industry and how the average owner operator, if he retires in his early 60s, it lasts about six weeks and he's back in another truck. And there was a guy from several years ago. We almost built a glider kit for him from up in Canada and he runs up to Alaska. And he was 64 years old. He said, honey, I've been on the road 35 years. I think I may retire or I might buy one more truck. She said, I think you better buy another truck. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You got to be careful with that, with that retirement. I'm meeting a lot of people uh, that uh, they've tried it and they're not doing so well at it. And they're, they're back to work. And... Let's see what else I have. Oh, here's one. <laughs> Talking to a guy, JP, in Windermere, Florida, and he's buying an old truck for a friend of his who 
wants to get back into trucking. He's 79 years old. Wow. And he's buying a truck for him to drive. Wow. That's pretty and I said, wild. Isn't this a fascinating industry, this trucking industry? It's an industry where very few people ever get completely out of it. So anyway. All right. That's all I have for now. I'll continue to go back through my notes as Pete talks, and uh, and then we'll go from there. I know Leroy is home with a bad head cold, but he's going to try to join us. All right. And, uh, B- before we hear from Leroy, we'll put a mask over our speakers, so we'll be safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Uh, you know, I've been fighting this same cold. I'm on my 16th day, by the way, and I've gone through three prescriptions, and I'm just about cleared up, but it's still a little bit really. I never had a cold last this long. I, huh. I think it's uh, part of this uh, virus that Mr. Fauci spread yeah. throughout the world in the U.S. I, I think it's all forms of that that's attacking people. There's something going on. Yeah, it's hard to say what, but there's yep. there's definitely something going on. All right, well let's uh, let's find out what's on Pete's mind this morning. Pete, good morning, happy New Year. Happy New Year, Kevin. How are you doing today? Good. You all set for twenty twenty three? I am. I am. I, I think I, I agree with you. I think it's going to get better. Um, yeah, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be phenomenal or anything like that. But I think it's going to be better. I think uh, you know. We're now a little more accustomed to things not being right. Yeah. You know, when it's first happened from everything being pretty good to shit show pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Pete, that, you're just yeah. getting, you're just becoming the victim of the new normal. Yes. Right? Yeah, I think so. I think That's so. what the politicians want you to think this is the new normal. Yeah. I don't like I don't it. Think but I think it's better. I think it's going to, you know, it's going to take time. You know, things don't change overnight. And I, I, there's a lot of people like, oh, this is how bad it is. It's never been like that. Um, you know, let's go back in history and, and, and talk about during World War II. Yeah. You know, even yeah. though my dad was too young to be in it, um, at 16, he, he turned 16. The next day he went to the mill to work. They let the kids out of school early. So he worked all May, June, July, August, and September, and didn't go back to school to October because they needed manpower. Yeah. And, and he said, I had nothing. I mean, there literally was nothing. He was lucky because he worked in a mill. When his shoes would wear out, he would cut pieces of scrap stainless to put in his shoe and then a piece of heavy cardboard from the mill to keep his shoes on his feet. Wow. Because you couldn't buy shoes. Yeah. And, you know, our parents lived through that. You know, yours, hey, mine, Bruce's, they, they lived that stuff. We didn't see any of that. Hey, Pete, I, I, when, hey, I used to. When was the last I time? I used to fiberglass the sole back on my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. When was the last time you wore out a pair of shoes? Yeah, it's seldom. Yeah, it's almost unheard it's of. seldom. Right. Huh. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I think. We're going to turn around. Um, I'm hoping anyhow. I'm going to be positive about it. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. 
was going to, and I do think something's going to change. I, I think we're in for a rough economy. I, I do. I think we've got at least a couple of years where it's just, it's going to be a little more difficult. And I think 2023 is when we're really going to start seeing it happen, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think we're due for one. You know, I've been um, looking over, you know, just money and finances and planning, and uh, I'm really looking forward to some real estate prices coming back down somewhat. You know, I was, we were buying real estate here in the gorge, which is kind of our retirement plan. I'm taking everything out of the market, but there was nothing left to buy. Everything is just way overpriced. So I'm kind of looking forward to uh, a pullback in the economy. I think we need one. Yeah, prices of vehicles got out, out of hand. I mean, look how long trucks been high, oh. the price of trucks. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. And houses one- were got just crazy, too. You know, I, I, I right there at the end, even my son just, you know, six months ago was looking at houses and I kept telling him, just stop, you know, don't even look right now because you're going to get tempted. And he did. He thought he found this great deal. And I said, don't do it. Just wait, just wait. And I'm so glad he did. He would have bought right there at the top and the area that he's been looking at, the prices have pulled back almost 15% already. That's a big difference. That's huge when you're talking about houses and hundreds of thousands of dollars and, you know, interest rates went up. So the, the difference that somebody would have paid buying a house when you were at the peak of the housing prices and interest rates are high. And the thing I tried to get across to people is once you sign that deal, it's done. I, I don't care if prices, you know, crater next week. It's not going to matter to you. It's not going to help you. You already bought it. You have to be very careful of buying big ticket items during times like this. And rent's terrible. My God, I, oh, I, fortunately, I've yeah. never had to. Uh, I've never rented a place. Um, my parents were just like, "Hey, don't rent. Buy something." Yeah. And I was fortunate. I bought an old house that I got it, and I was fortunate that I had help to do it. Uh, when my one friend, his brother owned a um, contracting company, they built houses. So we did my brother's house, we did his house, and we did my house. The three of us together. Yeah. And we would finish one house, move to the next. And, you know, a lot more affordable. I had, you know, my, my house payment with the loan to, you know, remodel was probably half of what rent was. Wow. Yeah. Which paid the house off. I got it all back anyhow. Yeah. You know, so I lived there for, you know, 18 years without, basically for nothing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Getting that whole, my God, it's rent. It's incredible what what you're charging. It really is. And we're not even talking New York I'm talking my area. Uh, yeah, no, right just, right here where I live in a little town, not only is rent outrageously expensive, you can't find a place. They just don't seem to be available. No. I mean, that's one of the problems we have here is something comes open and there's six people all trying to bid for it. That's because uh, Portland's weird and they want to get out. Portland is weird. <laughs> you ain't kidding. Yeah. All right. What else you got, Pete? Hey, can I add one oh, thing? Sure. Oh, I'm sorry. The Line Shack Lodge, where our owner-operator snowmobile conference is going to be, is filling up. 
you need to call Heather at 307-455-3232. So 307, you know, that's a Wyoming number. 455 is like an Oldsmobile number. And every man wants to have a 32-inch waist. So that's how you can remember that. 307-455-3232. Call Heather. It's March 1st through the 5th. Bruce, I'd have to gain 35 pounds to have a 32-inch waist. Oh, you would? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're a little different. (laughs) Yeah, people tell me that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. I'd like to get back to a 32. Yeah, there you go. Okay. What else you got, Pete? So I was going to do, real quick, uh, five top five New Year's resolutions for truck drivers. Um, And a lot of people do them. Most people don't follow up on them. I I don't do one because I've never followed up on any ones I've ever done anyhow. But uh, things for for, guys to think about. Uh, One, stay healthy. And I know that's something you quite a bit. Stay healthy. And, And Life's a whole lot easier when you're healthy. Yeah, it is. That's a no-brainer there. Um, you know, moderate expenses. You know, and you've talked about this. Uh, you ask a, a, a truck driver what his expenses are, and they don't know them. Right. They can't even guess. And same thing, you know, track fuel mileage. That's important. That's probably the, one of the easiest things to do, especially with um, – on your site for them to track fuel mileage, just put the numbers in. It, if you do it with and, the and app, you, it, it's done while you're standing there putting in the fuel. It doesn't take an extra 10 mm-hmm. seconds out of your day. And once you put in the receipt, then you're, you're, you now have records forever. I mean, it's there. You can go back and look. We can create averages. And it's free. We don't even charge for that app. And, you know, you get a lot of people that, well, what kind of fuel mileage? Around six, <laughs> around <right>. five. <laughs> exactly. You know, I can tell you on, I bought a new Bronco a few months ago. Uh, I don't have the paper in front of me, but I can tell you every tank full. Yeah. I check it. Not that it matters. It, it's just something, you know, I take the receipt, I write the mileage, and just for whatever reason, I do it. Right. Um, my other vehicles, I just kept track of it. But one, so here's where it did actually help me. I started noticing the fuel mileage dropping slightly without a reason. Right. You know, obviously, you know, winter time is going down. And I had a brake hanging up. I had a a caliper starting to hang up that I couldn't couldn't tell. It didn't grab when I hit the brakes. It didn't squeal. But I noticed fuel mileage coming down. Not, Not a lot, just a little bit. And when it was time to change oil and rotate tires, I always inspect the brakes. Um, I see that the one brakes really wore out. Yep. So I take it off and I can't move the caliper. So, you know, it can show you there's an issue coming when you're, you see a decline in fuel mileage without a reason. Yeah, absolutely. On that new Bronco? No. The Bronco had a Ranger that happened to. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I used to keep, I kept track of that. I don't now because I don't drive it much. You know, you know, I might throw 10 bucks of gas or 20 bucks of gas when I use it because I don't use it that often. But when I would drive it to work on a regular basis, every tank full. What's I the had, Bronco uh, getting? 
I've touched 30 with it. And wow. now that it's, you know, cold, uh, more idle time, I put a ski rack on it. I'm down to like 28 uh, and three quarters. So what size really, the engine is it? It's the this little four cylinder, two liter. It's okay. tiny. Wow. Turbo. It runs, it gets better fuel mileage than my Subaru did. I was, I was lucky 25, maybe 26. I was lucky wintertime 24. So it's better in fuel mileage than my 04 Forester. Hmm. Be careful about saying Subaru. That's anytime there's a lineup of traffic in Colorado, we blame it on yes. Subaru. <laughs> in PA if they're behind you. <laughs> I think Oregon might have more Subarus than any other state in the union. I don't know. I think Oregon, I Crocodile. think Subaru is the official Crocodile car. Crocodile Dundee made a big, you know. It's a good car. It's, it's an 04, 140 some thousand miles on it. It just has given me no trouble. It's incredible in the snow. They are actually pretty hard to beat. They really are. They last forever. They're not that expensive to maintain. They are great in the snow. They just got that, you know, weird reputation, kind of like Portland. Yeah. Yeah. It has zero rust on it. So my parents bought it new. It would have stayed in the garage four or five years until they buy a new car. Then it goes outside, and that's kind of their daily car then. And then I bought it off them four years ago. Yeah. And it's been outside ever since. Yeah. You know, driven every day up until now. And, um, you know, I generally drive the Bronco, but they weren't going to give me enough in a trade. And, and I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm just going to keep it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't cost much to keep it. I'm going to have it. There you go. And then last two things, uh, maintain the truck. And again, this is something we've talked about before. It's cheaper to maintain it than to fix a problem. Yes, that's for sure. You know, little things, oil analysis are so important because we can see a problem potentially coming. You know, running the catalyst to help prevent issues, uh, after treatment issues, turbo issues, and so EGR issues, so forth. You know, run that stuff, it pays for itself. It makes sense to, to, to run it. Um, you can't look at it as an expense, it's needed. Yeah. Yep. And the last thing for the top five would be, and this is as a whole of society, no one's patient anymore. <laughs> Everyone's in a hurry. I think people are patient. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and wanting something right away. And, and um, you know, usually you could wait for something. You know, if I call you yeah. back today, this afternoon, you'll get called back, but, you know, just wait. Right. Yeah. No, that's for sure. Um, you know, this idea, uh, those are all really, really good points. We should focus on those. It also kind of goes along with what I said, that we're kind of due for a pullback in the economy. You know, the economy was so hot. Freight rates were so good the last couple of years that you get into that mode, and there's nothing wrong with this. You get into that mode of just go make money. Don't get too hung up on the details right now. Just go make money. The rates are good. 
It, that's fine, and we've been doing that for a long time. But at some point, it's not a bad idea to take a break, step back, and say, okay, let's start focusing on getting our expenses under control, getting some debt paid down. Freight rates aren't going to be that strong. We can slow down a little bit and, and you know, work on the business and ourselves, which is, you know, the list you just gave. It's interesting. I read a, an article this morning. There was some high-end gym in New York City, and they did this ad campaign about January 1st and no New Year's resolutions, and they wouldn't even accept new members on January 1st. They made a big deal about it. We're not going to sign up anybody on January 1st. You know, New Year's resolutions are a waste of time. And I've kind of said that for years, too. You know, people do this. They do the whole New Year's resolution thing, and then they stop. But they got – this gym got all kinds of backlash. And the the – the pushback was you're you're not being inclusive. It was one day they just tried to make a point that on January first we're not going to sign up any new people. Big deal. It, people lost their mind over this. <laughs> you know, it, they were just trying to make a point that the people who tend to run out and join gyms on January first usually are no longer going to the gym on February first. And that's exactly how it happened. I owned a gym. I remember this. We January sucked. In one way, we liked it because you got a bunch of new signups. It was good for your revenue. But it sucked because it made a mess of your gym for a month. There were so many people in there. Nobody could get anything done. And the regulars were all pissed off because it was too crowded. And they would usually just skip January and come back in February. That's how much of a deal this was and what a way to you know publicity hey i'm not gonna um want you to sign up you know it didn't hurt business now everyone's talking about it <laughs> exactly so how much right. they get out running that yep. by pissing people off and gee let's talk about this gym i can't believe they did that right they got exactly what they want yeah they did yeah they did exactly chick-fil-a or beef you know, they have the, the uh, cow <laughs> right. for the Chick-fil-A commercial. Yeah. You know, it's not that they want you to eat a burger. It's just their commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a genius idea. Yeah, it really is. All right. Let's, uh, let's find out if uh, Leroy is still awake and with us. Leroy, good morning. Happy New Year. Good morning. Oh. Happy New Year. You don't sound sick. Uh, yeah, I'm on a lot of Dayquil and uh, caffeine oh, trying to get through this. That'll, so. that'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> I was going to say, if you're if you're trying and to I call keep... in sick, you need to sound sicker. Well, I tried to mute the island noises in the background from Bora Bora, <laughs> but, you know, I'm in a closet somewhere. There you, know. you go. That's right. But, What's on your mind this morning? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about an email that Bruce forwarded me about a guy who is looking at buying a new truck and he's looking at buying, uh, a Freightliner Cascadia with the DD 15 or 13 from a fleet. He says half of them have the DD 15 and the other half is the DD 13 with the, with half of them having the DD 12 transmission and they all have. 625,000 to 800,000 miles. And his main question is, is there a way to like check the one box? 
And the the easy answer is no, not really, <laughs> especially just visually. Um, but I came up with a short list of things maybe you could do if you only had visual. Okay. And then a short list if you had a computer and maybe if the guy was really nice to you. Got it. Okay. So visually... Um, you can sort of crawl under there with a light and sort of check for any sort of, uh, you know, black soot lines to see if there's a leak somewhere, right? Um, obviously, check for check engine lights if there's anything on the dash. Uh, one thing I think it, that gets overlooked is even though it has, let's say, 800,000 miles on it, when did they get the truck new or did they get that from somewhere else? How many miles were put on in a year? So, for instance, if a truck hit, they put, 100,000 miles on a year versus 30, you can sort of guess what sort of duty cycle that they had. Maybe this truck idled a lot, you know, which is not good for the one box. You know, maybe it was under uh, severe duty. Maybe it just did heavy stuff. Um, one thing you can look for. Uh, ask if there's any sort of oil or coolant consumption. If there is, that's obviously terrible for the one box. Did it just start? Have they had this issue? Um, vehicle accidents. Uh, that causes a lot of wiring issues, even though it might be fine for right now. I've seen trucks in accidents where, um, you know, they, they get all the check engine lights out and then they send the guy. It's fine for like a couple of days and then it's just a wiring nightmare. And then it's just check engine lights for the next several months. Um, so that's a good thing to always ask for. Um, when was the last time the, the DPF was maintenanced? What, did they have it sent out and clean? Did they replace it? When did they do all that kind of stuff? Did they have receipts? I mean, you talk about having paperwork and receipts all the time. See what they have. Yeah. Um, if they don't have it, that's, uh, <laughs> that's not a good sign, you, especially for all the money that you're going to pay for a truck in today's world. I don't know if I would buy a truck if they didn't have any paperwork. You know what I mean? Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, you can ask. You can ask about what kind of idle time they have, and you know what kind of loads they carry. Um, that they may not tell you the truth, but you know you can still ask. Um, so the next it, part of my little list would be. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say one of the things we can do there. Um, we use a service called Rig Dig. Um, which is kind of like Carfax for trucks. But it's even better because commercial vehicles um, have more reporting requirements than, you know, personal vehicles do. So every time a commercial vehicle is inspected on the side of the road or at a way station or anywhere, that gets recorded, and that's part of the rig dig report. Um, You can see who's owned the uh, equipment and a lot of times just by knowing who owned it you know what kind of life it's had you know we know a lot about trucking companies what kind of freight they haul where they run how they take care of their trucks so doing that rig dig report gives us a lot of information like that we can and then you're you would probably talk about it as well pulling a you know all the information we can get out of the ecm and what that would tell us now let me ask you this. When you pull that report, can you can they upload it to RigDig? Like if somebody reports like a duty cycle report or um, like an after treatment history, can they upload it to that report? No. 
No, that the, there are certain requirements. Uh, okay. Like I said, any any DOT um, interaction at all gets recorded. Any accident gets recorded. Any insurance claim. So it, it's similar to Carfax, but because of the commercial vehicle requirements, we get even more information. Okay. Yeah. So. The, the the next step is if you actually had a laptop that you could get hooked up to with it. Um, if you had one of our laptops or something, you could call us and say, hey, can you hook up to this thing? If the guy will let you. Can you kind of poke around and see if you see anything obvious? And sort of the things that we would check is the what I just talked about was the sort of the duty cycle monitor. So it records um, all of its data, how much idle time it has, how much time it has above 50% load, um, you know, are the driving, the driving regen cycles. That's probably the most important. So driving regen is obviously doing a regen while moving, not sitting there parked. That needs to be like more than 80%, which means most of the regen is happening while going down the road, which is a good indicator that the system is working and working properly. If you're seeing something that's doing mostly parked regens, then you just, want to stay away from that truck or just get ready to just invest a whole bunch of money. Yeah, you know there what I you mean? Go. Yep. Um, obviously, ash load, things like that. There's a lot of things that we can tell you from the ECM, but really at 625,000 miles to 800,000 miles, you're just sort of running out of time. So if I was to purchase this truck, which I probably would because I like the DD15 and I like that sort of 2015 era, I don't care for the early 2010 ones, but the right. 15s and newer, they're pretty good. Um, but I would just start saving money from day one just to get a new one box because you're going to just need it sooner than later. Um, I tell a lot of people that they're like, they ask me if it's okay. I said, it's okay for now, but you have 700,000 miles. It's going to be any time when the SCR just starts to go bad. Yeah. So yeah. they just wear out. Um, so for this guy, I can't remember his name was. I think it was Brad. Um, yeah, see what you can do. If you can get a laptop hooked up to it, that would be best. But um, yeah, you're just running out of time at 625000 It's a good truck. Um, check for oil, low oil pressure. A lot of those had uh, complaints of low oil pressure. They had the, the O-ring issue on the pickup tube. They got hard and brittle. Uh, that would drop the oil pressure. Not to the point where the dealer would fix it because they set their minimum oil pressure spec so low that the truck would basically have to be blown up before they would do anything about it. Oh, great. I think the minimum is like 8 PSI, which is ridiculous. But, yeah, it is. I mean, that's just factory spec. And uh, the only other word of advice I would say is that they have the DT12. See what the model number is. And if it's like DT12-DC or DA, the D stands for direct drive and the O stands for overdrive. Got it. So when you ask what the gear ratio is and all that, make sure you're getting what you want, whether you want a direct drive, direct drive transition or you want an overdrive transition. Um, just ask that ahead of time. A lot of people don't know what they have once they buy a truck. So that's just something real quick. You can roll under the truck or it might be on the door panel. You can sort of look up to see what you got. So all right. that would be my advice for uh, Brad. All right. Good stuff. Anybody have anything else or should we get to some calls?
calls. Nope, I don't have anything. I guess we'll go to calls. Uh, phone lines are open. Time to jump in and start dialing. We'll stay here as long as we've got calls. 855-950-3835. We're going to get started in Ohio this time. James, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Happy New Year to everybody. I have a, um, a question about the winterized uh, blend max mileage. I just received it uh, a few days ago, and I wasn't sure if it was gasoline compatible. I didn't see it listed anywhere on the bottle if it was or was not. It is not. It's not. The winter okay. blend is not. Wait a sec. Good stuff. All right. Well, maybe, maybe maybe I'm awesome. Hold on one second. Hey, Pete. I don't think you'd want to use it in gasoline. I'm sorry. I didn't catch that, Pete. Can you, can you repeat that? Because it has anti-gel in it, I wouldn't think you'd want to use it in gasoline. I mean, we can check with Jane, but I'm sure she, uh, my guess would be she'd say no. It's not to be used in gasoline. Okay, fair enough, and I and I can understand that that reasoning. I just didn't see it listed one way or another on the bottle, but uh, I wanted to double check before I added. And I also wanted to comment on the uh, that new bottle design, or actually, it's not a design; it's a new bottle. You have did you kind of squeeze and, and measure out like a half an ounce or an ounce and dump it in the tank that way? Um, that's fantastic. That's much easier and, and cleaner than the uh, the uh, the cups that you guys had before. Look like a medical type of cup or something of that nature that squeeze bottle was fantastic so good stuff and that's all i had thanks guys so we also have a spout that now goes on the one gallon jug to make it easier to pour into the 16 ounce bottles so we have them on a way come with that okay okay perfect thanks guys all right thanks for the call phone lines are open if you want to jump in right now, I would do it here quickly. 855-950-3835 is the number. We're going to get to the calls. We're heading off to Tennessee this time. Phil, welcome to the program. How you doing, guys? Good. That What's was on your quick. mind today? <laughs> hey, got, a, got an issue with a reman engine from Cummins. Uh, don't kill me. It's the M11. We are getting, there's about 10,000 miles. I know <laughs> 10,000 miles on this motor since it was put in. Um, I'm getting oil out of the exhaust manifold. Are you sure you're of can't, can't getting, has somebody verified that it actually is oil? And the reason I say that is, boy, we haven't talked about this in a long time. This used to be really common with the Series 60. You might be seeing fuel, unburnt fuel mixed with soot, not oil. Okay. Well, that would be bad because they're brand new injectors, too. Okay. Well, have you tried running the catalyst in the fuel? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I run the catalyst. Okay, so then we know I it's seen, not the fuel. I verified it's dripping. Um, I guess you slide I, my finger in it and take a sniff. 
The first thing I would do is reset the overhead. Okay. And then let's see if you're still getting it. Do you get this mostly at an idle? Or if you just pulled a hill and you pulled over and you looked, is it still dripping out the exhaust manifold or is it mostly at an idle? Um, well, I, I don't really idle my truck, but I okay. do, well, if I jack up the cab, I've got the cab over. I came up there about a month ago. Um, I may have to come back up there because the incompetence is just running rampant in Tennessee. I don't think they're even, I don't think they're even looking or trying, you know, and I asked them to go ahead yeah. and rerun the, the, uh, asked them to go ahead and rerun the valves and all that. And, uh, oh, I don't need that. <laughs> the silly yeah, part is well. they had to, re they replaced the valve cover gasket all in warranty and all that. And it's like, you already got the cover off. Check it out. You know, yeah. 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 So one easy way to determine what it is, because it is hard to distinguish the two, because the soot and fuel look just like oil. But generally, right. if you see it there, you get the truck up to operating temperature. And, and are you able to maintain operating temperature? You know, if you have a thermostat that's stuck open and you're running around at 150 or 160 degrees, this could cause this problem. Oh, no, it, it maintains temperature fine. Okay, so get the truck hot. You know, so what you'll do is, you know, you're driving, it's up to operating temperature, you pull over, say you're filling up or whatever, pull the truck over, park, jack the cab up, take a look. If it's um, still wet, it's probably oil. If it's fuel, it'll dry up. Well, it is wet. Yeah, that's what I, I will say. You that. Yeah. Are you are you taking pictures of this and documenting it? Because Cummins likes documentation. And if you're having to add oil, write that down. I haven't write taken. Knowledge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't taken pictures. Um, yeah. But I but I've been watching it and writing it down. I wrote it down twice. You know. Is it mostly from one uh, port? Um, originally it was, now it's coming out of the front and the back of the manifold. Wow. You know, yeah. where they slide in together, the multi-piece, yeah. Get it up to the shop and let's set the overhead and make sure that's not it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to. It's a long drive for a valve adjustment, <laughs> but... Yes, okay. Can you bring a load? No, I run a little little short haul stuff in Tennessee. But you I mean, get the uh, I, dash figured out. Yes, I did. Um, oh, awesome. are, are you over by Memphis, Tennessee? No, I'm a Nashville. Nashville. Okay. Yeah, I have a good friend in Memphis that may be able to help you. Oh, okay. I will. Uh, I'll call you, Bruce. But yeah, Call the, me after the, the show, and yep. I'll give you his phone number. Yeah. Uh, the odometer issue was the little button got clicked to be on uh, kilometers. Oh, no way. <laughs> Where was the button? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those little uh, dip switches on the back. Oh, just on, so, on top there, or was there one on the back? Yeah. 
Uh, on the back. I, I, I did a little math. Uh, how, uh, hell, I don't know. We were in and out of that thing a few times when it was at the shop. Uh, but uh, yeah, trying to figure it out. No big deal. I did a little math. How many miles equals how many kilometers? And I said, well, I'll be damned. <laughs> Took the screws out, popped it up, and it's perfect. Hey, so. that's awesome. All right, guys. Thank you. Let's have a good new year. Yes, let's. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to New York. We've got lines open. Jump in now. 855-950-3835. We're going to head off to New York. Charlie, welcome to the program. How are you all today? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm losing you. We can Hello? Hear, we can hear you just fine. Go ahead. Okay. I had just got my truck back from the Detroit shop. 22nd of December. They did a full wind frame on it, which I knew it needed it. They're telling me wait 10,000 miles to change the initial oil. And they're also telling me not oil so after I get about 75000 on the engine for the break-in. Is that logical or not? No, that's too long. I was talking to a Yamaha factory guy yesterday on outboards, and we started talking about oil. And he said on a new Yamaha outboard, they don't want you to go any more than 20 hours. Uh, we've been saying for years between one and 2,000 miles on a diesel engine. Uh, okay, well, I'll get this dropped out. out. Yeah. Uh, this weekend, I'll get this dropped out. Uh, think, think about this. You know, the the liners have the crosshatch. The rings are chrome. And as the liner breaks into the ring versus the ring breaking in, uh, and as it takes off that top part of that crosshatch that's going down into your oil. We don't want that floating around in your bearings. Yeah, that's true. And they they did say that Detroit's now using a harder metal on the sleeves than what they was using. Have you heard anything about that? No, but it you know, it still has to be softer than the chrome piston rings, so. Yeah, that's true. And they sent it back to factory, which I knew they was, because they put a one-year unlimited mileage on their parts and labor. But I'm trying to figure out why setting it stock, she'll pull 47 and a half pounds of foods, and when I had your tune in, it would only... 42 and a half. Why am I getting five pounds more of boost? That's a good question, Charlie. How does it, is it pull strong? Oh, she pulls real strong. She pulls real strong. Uh, but by listening to what you were saying, 47 and a half pound of boost is a whole lot more than 515 horsepower. It sure is. 
I think the guy uh, that uh, that worked on your ECM up there, I think he liked you. He must have. Because I tell you, I agree. it's your food that with 43,000 pounds going down 99 in Pennsylvania. I can come up to that rest area at about 54, 55 mile an hour and nice gear. Yeah, I think somebody added uh, something to it. I'm going to live with it until the warranty runs out, which will be the 22nd of December next year. And then I'm probably going to come out and we're going to see what we can do with her. Okay. It would be interesting a little to see bit what more. they did, what changes they made. But yeah, I mean, they did give me a printout. I got a picture. I'll see if I can email it to you. Uh, I took a picture of it because they didn't actually hate me. They had to keep it with their paperwork of what the ECM is supposed to be setting at. Okay. They were saying something about the injectors were setting at 37 and a half. I don't understand what they were talking about with that. And, and what's it set to now? I'm not sure. I drive it. So I don't want to look at the picture, but I will get that. The picture that I took, I will get that to you, Bruce, and maybe we can see what they did change. Right. Uh, I knew Leroy, Leroy at PittsburghPower.com because Leroy, I just have to forward it to Leroy. I right, do that. Yes. Do you have the VG Turbo on there? Yes. Yeah. So what could have happened is I wonder if maybe the new program they put in there um, for emissions because we could make that VG Turbo make as much boost or a little boost as we want by opening and closing it. So I'm wondering if the new program, they want these trucks to make a little more boost for the emissions. You're not making any more horses. I, well, I have noticed when this thing gets to about 32 and a half pounds of boost, she'll hesitate for about 10 seconds, and then she'll just jump way up, 40, 42, 45 it's like it's got a little bit of a hesitation, and then all of a sudden she just spools tight. I just want to make sure I'm not ever spooling this turbo. Yeah. Did you say you make 47 pounds? Yes. Is that, is that you say I should or should? Yes. Yeah. No, I, I was asking if you do. You said you make 47 pounds of boost. Yeah. And that's at about yeah, 1,600 RPM. And you're not getting any sort of check engine lights for turbo overspeed? Because I can imagine you are overspinning the crap out of that thing. Uh, I know the check engine light comes on. And it, yes. it's probably EGR temp because if I watch my pyrometer, it comes on at 650, goes back out at 625. Yeah, I would see what that light is. If I had to guess. If I was a betting man, I would say that it's uh, rides at turbo speed limit and then backs off a little bit, depending on how it's programmed. But, I mean, if they reprogrammed it completely with a stock file, then it would make nowhere near that. My guess is um, it's like down to one of two things. They either put new injectors in. Do they put new injectors in? Or They put new injectors in it. 
Okay. Do you have issues with it? I've had issues with uh, Turbo Boost and EGR Temp for the last hundred one or a million one hundred thousand miles ever since they were first rebuilt, and no one's ever been able to figure that one out. Yeah, so it it either underperformed, and someone said it to I'm guessing what you're saying is thirty seven and a half degrees of pulse width, which is a lot of power for that. Um, I would say probably on the edge of what you can push. So either the new injectors are performing better than the old ones, or they have modified the program in some way to add even more power to it. But 47 pounds of boost, um, of all the ones I've ever done, that turbo is not going to live very long with that much boost. You're going to have to spin that thing at probably 130,000 RPM to get it to make that. And with that much back pressure, uh, being that how that turbo is sized, that that much back pressure is just not going to be good. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if your turbine housing is starting to turn colors. Okay. I'll have to look at that. And especially if you're getting a, a check engine light for EGR temp, that means the exhaust temp is so high, by the time it passes through the cooler, it is still that high that it's setting a check engine light. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's that's a lot of back pressure. That's a lot of exhaust temperature. That's just not a great thing. I, you need to get that checked out. Okay. I, well, I'll get that all checked out uh, by the end of the week. I'll be back okay. by yeah, the shop. Yeah. Sooner than later. <clears throat> I, I thank you. Mm-hmm. Take care, Charlie. All right, you're welcome. Bye. Thanks Bye. for the call. All right, we uh, we are right at the top of the first hour, and we are out of calls. So we're going to give this just a couple minutes. If you want to jump in, now is the time, 855-950-3835. Uh, I was reading some news during that last call. Um Some interesting stuff about rates. We kind of thought we might be reaching the bottom on rates. I was hoping maybe we were reaching the bottom, but uh, a new report out shows for December, we had the sharpest rate of contraction in pricing in, well, the interesting thing about this this particular number, it's called the Logistics Managers Index. So this is actually coming from the shipper side of things. It's an index they use to kind of predict where pricing is going on their transportation. Um, So this particular data set has only been around six years. So it's not going to give us a, a ton of historical data, but this is the, the biggest drop in transportation pricing since that data set started six years ago. Um, it is a an index, meaning we're comparing one number to another. Uh, typically, um, if we're above 50, we're in what we call a, a growth phase expansion. Anything under 50... Um, and we are in a contraction phase, meaning there's less freight and prices are on their way down. Um, 
We dropped below 50 in December, 48.1. So it's looking like there is still room for rates to drop. Part of the rate drop is fuel. Fuel's down about a dollar twenty-seven a gallon uh, from when we peaked this year. So that's down about thirty percent. Um, in the first half of the month, the pricing index registered a twenty-seven point four. It was really down a lot. So we'll keep an eye on this. This is a number I haven't really followed before, but it looks like it might be a pretty important number for us. All right, calls are coming in. We're going to get back to those. We're going to go to Mississippi. Todd, welcome to the program. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. What's on your mind? uh, I've got a uh, 2011 Cummins ISX CM2250. And I did some, uh, I took the DPF off over Christmas vacation, had it cleaned. And uh, this is my first trip out. And uh, now I have a 3226 code on my uh, check engine light. And I'm wondering if maybe I didn't just uh, not get all the clamps on there just right. And it's uh, leaking some exhaust somewhere, if that might be what that code is. Uh, he said 3296. 3226. 3226. All right, let me see if that is here. 3226? Yes, sir. Yes. Oh. Um, all right, did you get a <clears throat> an FMI number with that, too, or just that number? It's an FM. I'm sorry, what was that? It's a, it, that's the number that comes up on the KR scan tool. <clears throat> yeah, I missed the FMI code. You broke up in my headset. Uh, I, the FM, uh, 10, 10? 26. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> 3226 FMI 10. <laughs> Is uh, the outlet knock sensor <clears throat> have normal rate of change? So that might be something to do with. Um, I'm not sure if that's meaning that a normal update rate usually means it's not plugged in, uh, but they wouldn't have, have unplugged that. Uh, but basically, the what, what that means in short is the outlet knock sensor reading isn't correct, like it's not valid. So, okay. Um, I don't think that really has anything to do with your cleaning. It, it may, but I think it's more or less coincidental or unless they did something during the cleaning and it got some sort of, um, that would be hard because it'd have to go to the SCR, like a fluid or something that got on and it ruined the sensor. Um, how did you just had the DTFs taken out, clean and then put back in? Yeah, I, I did it myself. I took it to a, uh, TPF alternatives and had them clean it. Oh, okay. So yeah, I, I really did take the decom- I did take the decom tube off and replace the uh, the def injector. 
And when I put uh-huh. everything back together, I thought I had it all lined up, but maybe I did not. Because I thought I had that code once before, and I had a broken clamp. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, it just, do you have a laptop or anything to hook up to it, or? I do not. I've got a uh, OTR scan tool that I can I can see what the... Parts per million is on the is? inlet and outlet. I can't. I can't do it right now. Um, okay. But I can. I can look at that, and I know the outlet should be. That should be below twenty, shouldn't it? Um, depending on what load it is, but yeah, it's generally below fifty or something like that. So what you would need to do to verify is um, also pull up the SCR outlet temperature, take it for a drive, get it warmed up. When the SCR outlet temperature is above 400 degrees, then it'll start to give um, a good reading on that sensor. So when you see SCR outlet above 400, then see what your outlet NOx reading is in parts per million and compare that to the inlet. And you can do sort of a simple calculation is it should be like 80% less than the inlet or 85, depending on how well your SCR is converting. But it should be somewhere in that range. Um, that's what I would check for. That's also going to clear the diagnostics. It's going to clear the check engine light if it is working correct. Um, it is going to have to come up the temple to actually give you a good reading. Okay. And I just want to, uh, the, uh, y'all's max mileage has, I've been running it for three years in this truck and it, it has made a, world of difference from when i first got this truck till now so i just wanted to put that out there excellent all right hear that yes thanks for the call we're gonna head off to west virginia this time roland welcome to the program happy new year pittsburgh power and kevin rutherford and gang happy new year what's on your mind today I got a breakthrough. Okay. And Pittsburgh Power is going to love it, and Kevin Ruffer is going to love it. I got a 99 Kenworth, 40-foot-long Kenworth. I only run 10 axles, you know, steers and a set of drives. I used to see a lot of nine-and-a-halves without a trailer. I changed. Uh, we all know how much, how small and restricted the stock N14 breather is. Matter of fact, I think Pittsburgh Power has an oil collector for it. Uh, that's because it's so small, it has a lot of velocity through there and it drags oil with it. So I've been seeing on Facebook where the guys are putting two red top covers. I, I, it is a red top N14, by the way. Been putting the uh, second red top cover on one of the rocker boxes and run the second breather. So, I got looking at my truck. I say, you know, the top of that cowl and that W900 is really tall. I took a one inch ID hose, more than one inch in places, and I ran from the filler neck down by the pan rail all the way up to the cowl, wide open with a loop up at the top. And it, almost pushes no oil but guess what I picked up a half mile per gallon 
documented pen and paper. Uh, one way I know is I used to run all Michelin's all the way around, and I put close shoulder, uh, close shoulder lugs on it, and I went down into the nines. I used to see some tens. Now I'm seeing all tens again. Are you guys still there? You are. Yes. Yes. Well, it makes sense. Uh, we know a vacuum system. We know a dry sump system. We know breathing is good. Of course, I don't have a vacuum, but I must have. Ex- and I'm not pushing the blow-by up the rocker tubes and out the head and through the jakes and through the rock arms. I'm, I'm, I'm venting all the way down where you put oil in at the pan rail. And... Uh, there's very little blow-by, even with a million two, it's never been apart. Uh, had the rocker boxes off to set the uh, to set the overhead, but uh, it, it just make I, I was the first time the first first time I saw it, I said, oh, you know, something's wrong here, and I start watching it more closely, and it's been a year now, and I'm seeing a lot of tens. Uh, I didn't think there was that much there. I know there's something there. I know there's power there, which driven conservatively can be mileage. So what do you all think of that? So you put a one inch hose coming off down by the oil pan where you put the oil in and yes. ran it up to the cow. All the way up to the top of the vital wipers. I mean, we're put to push oil. We'd have to push it thirty inches. It's even the outlet's even higher than the top of the rocker boxes. And uh, I don't know I, if this is true. You might have an invention on your hands. Well, trying to invent something, trying to invent something right there with, for as far as breathing is. Uh, I, I don't think I could get a patent for it, but it definitely works. I'm surprised it gave me a half mile. I'm really surprised. I, I didn't. I didn't really expect to see anything in the way of miles. Oh, and my front and rear seal seems to be running drier, also, which are also a reason. So, on that plate on the side, was there a a plug, and you just took the plug out and put a pipe nipple in it, or what? I took the expandable rubber stock filler plug out and. Clamped the high temperature uh, silicon blue hose over the filler tube. It's that big. Right there, it might be an inch and a quarter ID. Yeah. Up at the top, I got a loop de loop up top just to make sure it stays dry. Uh, that's one inch ID. Yeah, it's. Uh, a total surprise to me. I mean, if it wasn't me, <laughs> I mean, if I heard somebody say this on the show, I'd be skeptical. But, uh, you know, I've been checking, uh, and I have trouble all the time with Landstar, but I'm always going over. They, they got a, like a nine and a, nine and a third miles per gallon, and I'm always running over that, and it just drives me nuts. But uh, there's not that many guys. <laughs> They get that kind of mileage. Of course, I don't pull. I hardly ever pull a trailer. I got a pencil hook back there, and it's it's originally a regular ninety nine Kenworth with an N fourteen in it. Uh, was four sixty. Now it's a stock 
factory five and a quarter. Uh, it's been stretched 100 inches, got 350 inch wheelbase, and it's got a 24 foot flatbed body on it. Holy cow! Yeah, I don't know when. What do you hold? What do you, what do you carry? And the uh, last thing I carried was a turboprop engine for Pratt & Whitney. Well, one of the last things I carried. Uh, picked it up at Dallas Airport, came in from France, took it over to the, re- the Rebuild Center in Bridgeport, West Virginia. Only weighed about 2,000 pounds. They were really uh, cautious about that thing. That thing was evidently well over a million dollars. Uh, anything Landstar's got this light, I can, o- you know, I can only, the max I would ever put on the deck is 25,000. And so you made a long straight job. I bought it that way. I bought it in. Uh, I bought it with three hundred twenty-five thousand on it in '02 or '03. Uh, it had already been stretched. Yeah, it's a long. Uh, I mean, when it came out of the factory, it was really unremarkable. It was just a four sixty N fourteen red top Cummins, nineteen ninety nine. Good old straight up single overdrive ten speed. 355 rears, and uh, running without a trailer, of course, that helps a whole bunch. I know Kevin would say if he was doing this with a Kevin would say if he's doing that with a uh, DVX 12, he would uh, 127. He'd be getting 14 miles again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So you know, it's always it's always easier to carry the weight than it is to drag it. Well, I like, of course, I like something low and light, but uh, mm-hmm. it seemed, you know, when when I had the trailer and I'd have 40,000 on it, it seemed rather unremarkable. I mean, it would get down, you know, five and a half, six and a half, but uh, I like running it without the, I like running it without the trailer. Yeah, that's an interesting sure. setup. Yeah, I ought to try the max mileage in it. You should. The only place I've seen it, I've seen it over there at uh, on I-81 down there, the, the famous truck stop that the old aircraft pilot guy built down there. Uh, White was it White's? Yes. It's now it's now been the Lehigh people. They bought the Lehigh or the Lehigh believe the Lehigh bought them, and the Lehigh was on the other side of the 81 off off the road a little bit. So uh, I'm really happy about that. I, I was totally amazed. Okay, I parked uh, on Good Friday. I was in Dover Air Force Base. Uh, I think it was for something for the Ukraine. So I jumped through some hoops to get over there. So I says, well, I'm safe. I'm safe on the Air Force Base. I'm not going to leave here until my logbook gets back in order. And I stayed on a pristine tarmac, not a tarmac, but the uh, out one side of the freight warehouse was trucks, the other side of the warehouse was airplanes. I stayed on a pristine hunk of uh, concrete for six hours. There wasn't a drop under it. And it's got original seals front and rear. And there wasn't That's a drop good. under that truck for a sit for, I didn't leave it run, but uh, there wasn't a drop under that truck. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of buildup up around the front seal. But I think it is leaking less. Yeah, well, blow by will make seals leak. Absolutely. Well, I hope can somebody you send me a can... picture. 
Could you email Pete and I a picture of what you did? Let me write down the address. Uh, PittsburghPower.com or what? No, it's Pete. Pete at PittsburghPower.com. And I'm Bruce M. at PittsburghPower.com. We'd like to see this. Okay. Uh, we'll come through you today. We'll come through with you in the next yeah. hour. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, Pete at PittsburghDollar.com and Bruce at uh, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce M. Bruce M. at PittsburghDollar.com. No dots or anything. Okay, okay thanks. No dots, no. All right. Thanks All right. for the call. Let's move along. The calls are starting to pile up now. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Charlie, welcome to the program. Happy New Year, everybody out there. Happy New Year. How are you guys doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Hey, Leroy, I didn't mean to get you sick last week. Uh-oh. Yeah, I figured it was you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. So anyway, i got a quick question for you. Do you think, well, it's in there and and uh, you're doing magic on it and stuff. Do you think the DEF filter should be replaced? When was the last time it was replaced? I don't know. Uh, well, it probably, was a yeah. uh, class one truck. They, they replaced a lot of stuff on it, like the air compressor before they fail and stuff. But I don't know. That's probably the next thing that to go, I guess. So. Yeah. I mean, I think they're pretty cheap and they're pretty easy to change. So if you don't know, then it doesn't hurt to change it. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. They, they called this morning trying to, or Friday trying to figure out something with that gauge, but I think you can figure it out eventually. Hmm. Yeah. What filter are we talking about, Charlie? The DEF filter for the the stuff coming out the tank. Okay. It's in there, but you're not there, Bruce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just didn't know if that should be replaced. I'll, I'll call Peter somebody later and ask him to throw that on the list if they can. Yep, we can do that. Yeah. I'll make a note of that for you. Okay. All right. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Louisiana. Brad, welcome to the program. Let me try that again. Brad? You guys doing? There you are. Go ahead. Yes, sir. I'm here. Uh, I've got a couple of questions. One is I'm looking at some 2013 Freightliner Columbia gliders with 12.7s in them. (laughs) And they're ranging from eight to nine hundred thousand miles on them. What I have, I'm on my way now to pull oil samples on a few on whichever ones I like. Is there anything in particular I should be aware of of the of these engines with this higher mileage? Anybody? Well, um, try the oil sample. You really want to get take it for a ride and get the oil hot. Well, it'd be nice to uh, let us look at the ECM and see what it says. If you can get uh, their laptop, wherever it is, hooked onto it and get into our engineering department or get to uh, take it to one of our remote tuners and let's look at it. Yeah, I mean, even visually, uh, if you just look at it, see if it's covered in oil and fuel because a lot of times... Um, the fuel pump right above it leaks, uh, so it gets fuel on it. 
uh, oil gets built up on it, that destroys the seal, which destroys the ECM. Another thing is the loom coming right out of it. Uh, okay. The, the, the loom that comes right out of the connectors on the ECM, if you just uh, crawl under there, see where they have it zip tied? Um, seeing a lot of issues with, uh, you know, loom chafing wires and things uh, lately, especially. I don't know why, but that just seems to be the flavor of the month. But uh, check that. Um, All righty. Another question I have is not only I'm looking at those trucks, but I'm also looking at other uh, Freightliner Cascadias that have that have DD12, uh, DD13s and 15s in them. Uh, for miles ranging from 600 to about the mid to high eights on them. My question about those is how can I test the one box? to see what kind of life expectancy I have left on it. Well, I guess you missed the whole opener. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I, I'm just, I just got on a few minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, I talked about the whole thing in the, the beginning of the show. But in short, um, there's nothing really visually you can check. Uh, if they can give you some sort of duty cycle report or uh, after treatment history or something like that, we can go over those numbers together, but um, visually, the uh, real quick, the things that you can sort of check is um, ask if it has any sort of oil or coolant consumption, uh, ask how many miles they put on per year, what their idle time is, um, and any sort of recent repairs or anything like that um, is sort of the things you can do without a laptop. Okay. All righty then. Thank you very much, guys. You're yeah, welcome. No Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Idaho. Heath, welcome to the program. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, uh, Leroy, my dad bought an 05 ISM. I did not get the CPL from him. I think it's 350 horsepower. Can my remote tuner link up to that? And uh, what can we get out of it if we can? Or do they have to send that ECM in? Um, get out of it as far as the biggest stock horsepower one or the most we can get out of it? Uh, the most you can get out of it. Um, I can't recall any that we've dynoed, but I would have to say it's probably reasonable to say that we can get probably four and a quarter or maybe 450. Um, I don't know. Do you have a pyro and boost gauge in there or... Um, that, well, I told him to call, uh, Bruce, so Bruce could, uh, tell him to put that in there, but, uh, um, it's a project yeah, I mean, he's doing. What I would probably suggest is we could probably sit up at 400, four and a quarter, see what the pyrometer is and see if we have any room left, um, to push it a little bit harder. But also if we sit at 400, four and a quarter, you could see if you like it. Um, or if you want more, then we can kind of go from there. There might be some other turbo options or things we can do. But, yeah, I would say you're probably at max horsepower from the factory. Um, maybe there's a little bit bigger option. But, yeah, I'd say probably four and a quarter or 450 is probably the max I would want to go. What's, what's the horsepower of it now? I think it's 350. 350? Uh, Pete, don't they have... Uh a fire truck version of that 
And they call it a crash truck for airports. That's up around right. 500. I don't know that it is higher than what was put in trucks for sure. And if we mentioned the serial number, we'd be able to pinpoint more what we can do safely. Right. At, yeah. at this point, I get a CPL number, uh, engine serial number, and then decide what's going to be safe for them. Okay, he's got both of them, and I told him to call you guys and uh, give him those, give you guys those numbers, and he can go over that with you. But uh, just to tune, what would that uh, cost on an 05? Could be fourteen fifty. Fourteen fifty. Got it. That's all I had. Thank you, gentlemen. Like, like, like don't go yet. What's your oh, dad going to do with this truck? What's your dad going to do? Um, with he's, he's doing a dump truck type thing. Um, it's a local. Op- uh, operation. What part of the country? Uh, South Dakota. Is it level? Uh, might be. I don't know where he's going to be running. He's um, just east of the Black Hills. I don't know if he's going to be running into the Black Hills. Well, I, I didn't want. I told him not to buy an ISM, but uh, next thing I know, he bought it. It's all right. If he's running a lot of level terrain and we put a boost gauge in it and the pyrometer, we, we could take it up pretty high. How old's your dad? Is he 57, 58? I forget. No. Okay. Has he been trucking a long time? No. He's been a police officer. Um, he's done a few local jobs here and there, trucking, but right now he's working on... Um, the railroad out there in South Dakota, so. Oh, okay. You going to teach him? Say that again? Are you going to teach him how to drive it? I can, but that's just, uh, I don't know how long he's going to be here. And when he comes down to Salt Lake, I don't know how long he's going to want to stick around. But that's why I was like, told him to call you, uh, told him to call the shop and call you and then, that way you can give him a little more heads up on how to do all that. So you're in Salt Lake? Yes, sir. You guys got some pretty good snow last week, huh? All the mountains just got buried. Yeah. Yeah, my friend Mike Lane's been getting in some great snowmobiling up there, up just uh, east of Ogden. Yeah, there's also been a lot of uh, uh, well, snow-related deaths with all that Out snow, too. So it's, uh, well, I know Ken Block just, he got pinned underneath his snowmobile, and it was a bad thing, and there's um, some other deaths. I know there might have been an avalanche. I know they had the avalanche warnings up, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad in Colorado for avalanches, too. Okay. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. You're welcome. Thanks You're welcome. for the call. All right. We're going to wrap this up for today. Anything anybody wants to close with? Um, yeah. You know, being we're talking about boost gauges. I had a person call me and they just bought a tow truck. Beautiful 359. And... He said, it doesn't have any power. It's got a big cam in it. And I said, what's the boost? He said, 15 pounds. 
I said, oh, my gosh, we do have a problem because it's supposed to be a 400, which is 24 pounds. A 350 was 18 pounds. The old original 290s, when they started putting turbos on them, was only 11 pounds. So you can see when he's there at 15 pounds, he's not much more than a 290. Wow. So that's the beauty of when people call you, and they can tell you what the turbo boost is because then you know. There you go. For the sake of $102 for that mechanical boost gauge kit, it's well worth it. Got it. All right. We will wrap this up. We'll do it again next week. Thanks to the team from Pittsburgh Power. Tomorrow, I'll be joined by Kara Collier. She's from NutriSense. We're going to continue our mini-series on blood sugar and continuous glucose monitors. So we will see you then. Be safe. Be profitable. Kevin, what time do you start that show? Uh, What time do you start that show? She'll be with me right at the open. So 8 o'clock here on the West Coast. 8 a.m. 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock East Coast. Yeah. We should get you a glucose monitor, Bruce. You should wear one for a couple weeks. Yeah, I, I, need, to, I need to listen to that show. To, <clears throat> so do I call 855-950-3835? Yep. Okay. All right. Very good. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. We'll talk to you then. All right. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.